Do you ever feel like you're trying to get your team motivated, inspired, and engaged to meet and also reach your personal goals or the KPIs of your organization? Staying well while also advancing in your career and maybe even enjoying life? Are you constantly searching for simple, easy to apply and practical techniques to inspire, motivate yourself and your team? But no matter what you do, despite wanting to lead and perform with intention, your habits just take over. So come on, let's get you feeling limitless. Pause, reflect, and learn from handpicked subject matter experts that are thought leaders in their field. Let's explore practical tools to make you and your teams feel limitless at the whiteboard. Hello, and I am your host, Nicole North. Welcome to At The Whiteboard. On today's episode, we're joined by a friend, a colleague, my one of my health practitioners in my team of healthcare practitioners, the fabulous, the wonderful, the therapeutic and lovely to see uh, Dr. Lisa Weeks. Oh, thanks, Nicole. I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) I always say every time I have a session with uh, Dr. Lisa, I always feel uh, refreshed and rejuvenated. It's a little bit of a therapy session. I feel like I'm in control of my health and my wellness. And uh, that's really how I feel about you. So no need to blush. That's just the truth. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. You always rejuvenate me. Your energy, your excitement, your passion just leave me, you know, filled up. So I love speaking with you, Nicole. So great. So I wanted to bring uh, Dr. Lisa on here today because I really wanted to address some of the big topics we're seeing all over the place, stress, burnout, workplace wellness, um, As you may or may not know, I've been involved over the last year and a bit with the Workplace Wellness Club, um, and we've been doing a lot of chats and talks, and uh, we do kind of some short summits and webinars all around workplace wellness. And one of the reasons that I'm super passionate about that topic is that I feel Um, that one of the ways that leaders can make their teams feel limitless and teams can feel limitless is when they feel well. Um, There's no way to achieve the ever-increasing demands, change, organizational change, um, the kind of what seems to be just, oh, we're we're not recruiting for that position anymore, but Lisa, congratulations. You'll be taking on, you know, Sarah's job for the same pay. And we'd like you to continue doing whatever you're doing now. So it just seems to be this ongoing trend that people are taking on more and more and more and more. And I'm finding that leaders are frustrated with teams who aren't feeling well and maybe aren't performing to the best of their ability. And team members are not feeling well and potentially going on stress leave or needing to leave uh, the workplace because of burnout. So that was going to be my focus today was talking about everything workplace wellness with Dr. Lisa and really uh, looking at how we can uh, create cultures of wellness, uh, create leaders who promote wellness and some tactical tips and strategies. We know we like to hit that uh, on the ground and running. What can we do right now um, to help manage our own health and wellness and then do the same for our teams? I love it. Let's dive in. Let's dive (laughs) right in. So first in the realm of leadership and the workplace, we're hearing a lot about stress, burnout, and workplace wellness, as I mentioned. 
What are you noticing with your clients, particularly in leadership or corporate roles with respect to their wellness? Why this sudden influx of burnout and stress? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just uh, obviously the years have been dragging on during the pandemic and there's been one world crises after another. So there's so much unpredictability right now and with the war in Ukraine, the financial markets. So um, it's, you know, we thought we were going to be out of the clear a lot sooner than we were and our bodies are adaptable. So we can cope with chronic stress for a period of time, but we do need that time to rest and recover. But people have not been given that chance, like you said. So they're taking on the roles of co-workers who may have left to start another career or they're on a stress leave. They have so much on their plate. They might have the kids at home on and off unpredictably because they're getting the sniffles every so often, hand, foot and mouth disease, things outside of COVID as well. So people are burnt out. And there was actually uh, some research released from Deloitte and LifeWorks that that noticed that more than 80% of senior leaders are reporting exhaustion. And even the World Health Organization recognizes burnout as an occupational phenomenon and occupational syndrome. And there's three dimensions to it. So there's the feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion, which you're dragging yourself around, right? You might like drinking coffee all day to keep you going, maybe having some wine at night to unwind, feeling tired and wired. You're just pushing through, but not having the focus and productivity that you want. The second tenant or dimension is having an increased mental distance from one's job or feeling negative towards your job. I think a lot of people are at that state right now where they're just like, I don't care anymore. I have nothing else to give because they're trying to give from an empty cup and that's not going to happen, right? And the third tenet is having reduced professional efficacy. So I know a lot of people, patients included of mine, are just like, I can't focus anymore. I'm making simple mistakes. I'm forgetting certain things things. Like I'm kind of worried about my mental health. Some people are actually thinking they're leading to, you know, early signs of dementia, but burnout can really mess with your brain. Right. And we know the mental health aspect is huge too. And a lot of senior leaders and managers just are scared to report it because they really feel it's going to impact their success in the workplace and how people view them. I'm sure you're talking about vulnerability and that sort of a thing in the podcast. Right. But there's so much on the plate and a lot of managers, leaders are feeling alone, already feeling alone from the pandemic and working virtually, but then maybe not feeling like other people know what they're going through. Wow. And you know, that's, I love that point about people being afraid to report it or being afraid to talk about it. I mean, I'll be completely honest when I was in the corporate world and someone was on sick leave, there was kind of this Mm, so-and-so's on sick leave. You know, there was, there was just a, this aura about this slight aura of judgment of, was that really sick leave? Was that something else? And God, what an awful, it sounds awful to even say that out loud, but I'm sure that that can't be contained, uh, to my corporate experience that has to be existing elsewhere. Definitely. People are afraid to bring it up. They're afraid to ask for that leave of absence because they may feel like it looks like a sign of weakness when really it could be a sign of strength. You know, you're not able to perform at your optimal level. You can't serve the corporation and the people like you need to. So that rest and rejuvenation, that time to 
fill your own cup up is what you really need, right? Or else you're just going to keep in that depleted state and you can actually make big mistakes that could cost other people, the company thousands, millions of dollars, right? It can trickle down and have a negative impact personally and professionally. So I love that almost as kind of a first tactical step for leaders is to be vulnerable and open about how you're caring for your own wellness. So I used to remember seeing other leaders saying, you know, I'm taking my lunch hour to go for a run or I'm leaving at 5 p.m. because I need to uh, get to the gym. I always really respected that. So that can kind of be our first kind of tip from Lisa. Be vulnerable about your wellness. Share what you do and, and let your teams know that it's okay and that you want them to also do the same. I felt like when my leaders said they were going for a run at lunch or hitting the gym at 5 p.m., I felt like it gave me permission to do the same. Definitely. So yeah, from working out, yeah, to taking your lunch break, to planning walking meetings, right? So you're moving your body. That is so important as well. You want to show and lead by example. And even just having boundaries with your email, like in your email signature, maybe putting, you know, I don't check email after such and such a time and setting up that culture that it's acceptable that um, for other people to do it as well. I love that. So my, my next question, I kind of eked into my own question in a classic Nicole way. <laughs> panicking everyone, (laughs) panicking anyone who's regimented. And they're like, isn't she sneaking into the next question? But for busy professionals, especially leaders who are managing people, how would you recommend that leaders create a culture of wellness? Uh, And I think that is the first step is being vulnerable. What, what other suggestions do you have for leaders to create that culture of wellness in their organization and for their teams? Yeah. So we already talked about the lead by example, right? So those were some, some um, situations or tools that people can do to show others to take the time for themselves, um, but also for them to schedule time. Like some companies are doing wellness Wednesdays. So maybe two Wednesdays of the month, there's a 15 minute breathing or meditation session that um, employees can join in on, right? Because I'll talk, I can talk a little bit about the benefits of breathing in terms of productivity and focus, but even a few minutes here and there really resets your nervous system and you're getting that support. Maybe there's a online yoga class that people can do, you know, challenges. So tracking how much water you're drinking and having a goal around that, because I see so many leaders and so many busy workers they drop their lunch breaks. They're not drinking enough water. They're going to be, you know, brain dead for lack of better term at 3 PM because they're not fueling their body. Right. So having these systems in place to keep their healthy habits up is really important. And it doesn't have to be big. It might be drink your two to three liters of water a day, take your lunch break and have three different vegetables with it, have a tracker, maybe the company funds buying some, you know, pedometers or trackers like the Aura Ring or Apple Watch to see how many steps people are getting. And those devices can tell you if you've been sitting for 
an hour or more, and it's time to get up and stretch for a few minutes. So circulation is so key just for mental health, well-being, focus, and concentration. We have to get the blood flow to our brain, right? So these small little things can have huge impacts if done consistently. Um, and then more companies too are starting to offer, have wellness centers on site. You know, people are starting to go back into the office a bit, and sometimes they're there and people aren't using them because they're so busy, but encouraging certain, you know, days or half days here and there to incentivize employees to use their benefits, to go book a massage, to see the naturopathic doctor, right. Um, can be really therapeutic. Just knowing someone is there to care for you in a therapeutic relationship is really important as well. And even building culture and community. We know community in health situations and clinics is becoming a big focus because community is the missing piece a lot of times to outcomes when it comes to health, even in productivity and efficiency, right? We want to be heard. We want to feel like we can, you know, talk to people and they understand us. We understand them, learn what worked for them or what didn't work for them. So having more time to develop a community, whether it's through these group classes, or there's a little bit more time for chit chat at the beginning of a meeting, everybody shares something personal about themselves. So um, there's so many different ways that leaders can can foster wellness in the workplace. I could go on and on. <laughs> I love that. And I love, uh, I'm going to try and summarize all those ones that you said, just to reiterate them, because I think they're so good. Um, number one, be vulnerable, share your own uh, wellness journey and story. Keep it I hate to say, keep it real, <laughs> keep it real. It's good. It's um, true. <laughs> it gives people permission to also share their own struggles and wins and, and things that are working. Uh, number two, lead by example. So the only way your teams are going to think it is okay to take time for their wellness is if you're taking time for your wellness and you're doing it in an obvious way, you know, don't be you know, so flamboyant about it doesn't have to be a big announcement, but you know, Hey, I've blocked 1 PM in my calendar for my lunch breaks and I'm holding strong to that. So, you know, please, please book your calendars accordingly. Um, I love the idea of, um, culture and community, uh, and the idea of kind of creating challenges in the group. I loved the idea of breathing and meditation. I, I as soon as that came to mind, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, you had a weekly team meeting and you started the first five minutes with a quick meditation or mindset or setting intention. You know, I think some people think mindfulness and meditation, you know, that you have to have one of those um, <laughs> bowls yeah. that makes a ringing sound and you have to be burning patchouli, but it doesn't really have to be that way. It can be corporate -y and goal oriented. I've had mindset sessions for leaders where we focus on how do you want to lead today? And I think even those sessions where you're, you're sitting back and reflecting in your own mind, how do I want to get through the day? What do I, what do I want to do? How do I want to serve my team? How do I want to make them happy? How do I want to show up today? That in itself can be mindfulness and meditation without the patchouli and the the circle bowl, <laughs> the sound bowl, right? <laughs> it's, like it's a corporate, it's a corporate mindfulness exercise. Doesn't need to be granola crunchy. And then I love even things uh, like trackers and devices, maybe even doing a challenge and then offering an Apple watch as a prize um, to get people motivated and doing it together. 
Um, and lastly, um, accessing uh, the wellness features that your benefits plan uh, might have, you know, creating some accessibility to those, letting people know how they can easily access um, those, those things in their benefits plan. Did I capture them all? Most of yeah, them? Yeah. Yeah. You did a great summary. <laughs> I love perfect, it. Perfect. Perfect. So I love that, uh, creating a culture of wellness. Um, now how can leaders, I've often talked about this and I believe you have too, this notion of, you know, I need to be well and centered myself before I can help promote other people being well. And so I always talk, you know, use that analogy of, put your own oxygen mask on first before you go to help others. So how can, um, how can leaders prioritize themselves first and put that oxygen mask on first? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's setting up a structure and a routine. Of course, there's going to be have to be flexibility, right? But now that people aren't even, you know, going into the office every day, I usually recommend, okay, use that commute time as your exercise time or your walking time, right? So don't just turn your computer on right away at 7, 7.30 a.m. Granted, you know, maybe there's a day or so that you have to do it, but use that time for yourself because that would have been your time to kind of mentally prepare for the work day. And then the commute home kind of use that time to maybe meditate, journal, maybe you move your body again um, to support your wellness. And yeah, as I mentioned before, definitely scheduling in those breaks to have your lunch, you know, maybe to have a nice chit chat with one of your coworkers. Um, but that's really key too. And I think just um, being aware of congratulating people. So congratulating other leaders, you know, hopefully creating a culture where work is recognized. Cause I think a big part of burnout is where people feel like they're working so hard, but nobody's seeing it. Right. They're like, and then what am I doing this for? I'm giving up so much. So I think having a system in place where there is, um, some form of, you know, gratitude or recognition and kind of like a to-da list celebrating what each person has done instead of always looking at the to-do list. I didn't make this up. I think it was, was it Brene Brown or, um, yeah. So a to-da list, um, I or the happiness project. That. Gretchen Rubin, I think it was. Yeah. So doing a to-da list and saying, look, you did this amazing today, right? So focusing on that can really help too. I love that. So I, I think as we, um, as we need to kind of put that oxygen mask on first, if I'm hearing you right, leaders need to treat this just as importantly as those TPS reports or whatever totally. they're working on, right? Like if you're scheduling strategic meetings, if you're scheduling and blocking time in your calendar to do big pieces of work, your wellness is the same thing. And you need to take that time seriously, block it in and create some uh, routine and structure around it so that it actually happens. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You really need. And then just having like times to actually focus on one thing at a time, right? We, there are a lot of studies now on multitasking and how that burns us out. It's called compulsive fractured attention is the other word for it, but it you sounds can like, lose... I ha like I have yeah. it. <laughs> 
I feel like I do too sometimes, but you can lose up to two hours production per person per day. So that could be 400, 546 hours per year per employee. And it decreases your productivity by 40%. So leaders are constantly having to like juggle so many things. They have a million tabs open, their emails dinging all the time, the phones ringing all the time. Um, we know that this multitasking increases stress and they're studying it now, even at the University of California. So those people had, you know, higher heart rates. They were more wired up when they were multitasking and it can even reduce your IQ by up to 15 points. So um, I can't lose 15 points. I don't have 15 <laughs> points to spare. <laughs> So that's also key, right? It's scheduling afternoons where there's no meetings or is some people are now working from home when they have a very strategic, you know, concentration heavy project that they have to do and going into the office more for the meetings and when there's more collaborative work that needs to be done. So that can also help prevent burnout and then free up maybe some time for wellness because you're not kind of you know, doing a half a, I don't know if I can swear job, but because <laughs> you're kind of like not able to focus. Right. So, yeah, I think that's really wonderful on a couple of fronts for so many people. I mean, I, I think it's really kind of split. Many people are thrilled about coming back into the office and having those social interactions and uh, collaborating in a way that, you know, just seems more natural to us than it does on zoom or whatever kind of online network we're using. It's really fascinating to me, those organizations that have been intentional about their return to work plans. It's like you're returning to work on days where you need to do collaborative work. And when you need to be uh, strategic, when you need to get into deep focus and deep work, those are the days that perhaps being at home uh, is, is healthier for you so you can get that work done. So I love that. That kind of goes twofold, right? That idea of being able to use return to office as a means by which to manage your wellness and the work demands, you know, kind of simultaneously. Definitely. And granted, some people might have, you know, little ones running around if they have a nanny. So maybe at home isn't the most productive place, but strategizing around that can be useful. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. Now I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a, I'm going to throw you a loop. Sure. Bring it on. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if this is just something I'm noticing. I have no idea. Tell me if you're noticing the same thing, an increased diagnosis of, of adult attention deficit disorder. Definitely a hundred percent. Yes. Okay. What is that about? What, what, what is going on there? I've never seen so many people suddenly having these adult diagnoses. And I see lots of TikTok videos talking about the side effects of ADHD. Tell me your thoughts from a naturopathic part of view. Where's it coming yeah. from and what's going yeah, on? And I'm seeing it more and more diagnosed in females too. So um, more growing up in our era, I think it was just more considered kind of a male disorder if they were hyperactive and acting out and maybe, you know, different types of tendencies that would come through. Whereas with females, um, they might not have been, it might've been more ADD. Maybe the hyperactivity wasn't as obvious, but then I also think too, like, what are 
we training our brains to do? Like we have such short attention spans. We get a dopamine hit from scrolling on Instagram, getting different likes, seeing different posts. We might have several platforms open at once. I, I saw a statistic that millennials switch 27 times between platforms in an hour. And that blew my mind. Like no wonder when it comes time to like focus and sit still, our brains and our bodies aren't trained to do that anymore. It's instant gratification, right? So, you know, there, I'm sure there were tendencies and a lot of people when they were younger and it wasn't diagnosed. I think there's more of an awareness now of it and the insights into how it can impact your personal and professional life. But then throughout our lifespan, we're also training our brain and our body to not be able to sit still, to not focus because, you know, we can be stimulated in a short amount of time by something that'll, that'll light us up, you know, to read a whole article call is like, oh, seems just like too much. So that's kind of the perspective I'm coming from. And then you can throw in with the environment, right? With different toxins, exposures, chemicals, pesticides, you know, heavy metals, et cetera, that may be influencing obviously our brain as well. Um, so I think it, it's multifactorial and awareness. Um, unfortunately, we're not training our brains in the right way. And then the exposures to toxins have just, you know, accelerated since we were younger. Wow. That's really, really interesting. And it does make a lot of sense. I, I find myself all of a sudden saying, why can't I focus? Why am I clicking between 10 different apps? Why can't I, you know, why do when I get an email, am I immediately drawn to going to respond to that? Um, and I, I love that. I think it was in Cal Newport's digital minimalism. He talks about, um, that Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are designed to make you addicted to them. They are designed to give you the biggest dopamine hit possible. And he equated it to a slot machine. He's like, you click, you click, you swipe, you swipe, you tap, you tap, and you are waiting for the, the dopamine hit. And sometimes it takes longer than others. And that's why you, you sort of can't stop. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes, you know, my, my husband will joke with me and he'll say, well, have you gotten to the end of Instagram yet? Is that, is that what <laughs> you were that. hoping to achieve? And I'm like, I don't know, but you're right. It's like, a, I just want to finish it, but there is no end. This is true. Yeah. It's like finding that nugget or finding that something, but we don't know what it is. Right. That's really, really fascinating. And I think that the gender idea about um, ADHD is also really interesting because uh, mm -hmm. you're right. I've also noticed that where I see that a lot is female diagnosis of ADHD. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Um, so let's, let me go back to my script. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I rolled with it well there. <laughs> you rolled with it just perfectly. Fantastic. I feel like the tension is strong between balance and productivity while maintaining that culture of wellness that we've been talking about, how can leaders and team members enhance productivity and focus? Mm -hmm, there is yeah. a connection. It, there is. We, we flowed right into it. There is. Yeah. So definitely with all of the setups we talked about before, right? Making sure you're nourishing yourself, you're sleeping, you're moving, you're drinking water that really does enhance productivity, you know, the avoiding multitasking, but we're actually realizing too, how we're breathing influences our productivity and um, efficiency. And there's something called sleep apnea or so well, there's sleep apnea, of course there is, but there's email apnea. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's um, when you actually are not breathing 
breathing to your full capacity when you're on screens. And I find myself doing this too. If I'm scrolling Instagram, it's almost like you're holding your breath or you're breathing really shallow. So it's like shallow breathing or breath holding while you're doing email or on screens, right? So your oxygen saturation is going to go down a little bit and we need oxygen to fuel our brain to think clearly. Right. And this was a term coined by psychologist Linda Stone. So it's come, it's created or happens because yeah, we're so sucked into whatever we're doing on screens. We're probably hunched over. So we don't have the full lung capabilities because we're not expand, expanding the chest wall in the, you know, the area where the lungs can expand. It's kind of compressing <clears throat> when you're leaned over. And then the eye strain too, of just like when you're looking at something intently and even like up and down, up and down, that's almost like a stress response that triggers kind of our stress response versus if you're looking, you know, across the horizon, your body feels safe and relaxed, but who's looking side to side when you're on screens, right? So those three factors really reduce the effectiveness of your breathing. Um, and it will impact your focus and concentration. Cause I find myself too, if I'm scrolling for a while, I start to feel a little tired, kind of out of it, almost a little anxious, right. And I just have to get off. So you really want to, first of all, focus on and, you know, there are breathing reminder apps to like the I breathe app is one that you can use, but it dings. And then it tells you, you know, take like, you know, four or five breaths. So you might do like box breathing or the four, seven, eight breath. We can go through those as well. And they're even studying diaphragmatic breathing. Um, we know that our cortisol, our stress hormone levels, if they're too high, you know, we may be able to focus to a point, but then we kind of are listening and we're startled so much. We're kind of looking for that next threat, right? So we're not totally in flow. And if our cortisol is really low, then we're burnt out and we're just like apathetic and we don't care. But we know that breathing into our diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing helps to reduce that elevated cortisol level. Um, and they have studied it too. Um, there was a study with 40 participants. So they did 20 breathing sessions over eight weeks. And in the group that had the breathing intervention versus the one that didn't, um, they had a decrease in negative affect compared to baseline, meaning their mood was improved after the training. They had increased sustained attention after training and they had lower levels of salivary cortisol. So it's changing us physiologically, changing how our brain is working. If we're getting enough oxygen and that diaphragmatic breathing is breathing into the belly, right? Like as kids, you see kids and babies breathe into their belly, but then we get older and we're like, suck the belly in. So it's like chest breathing, but no, we got it. We get, we want to take the full capacity of our lungs by breathing into our belly and then exhaling. And the studies are showing if you have a shorter inhale and a longer exhale, that's the most effective way to get those benefits. So even a minute or two, people will feel reset. Like I really like the four, seven, eight breath where you breathe in for four counts hold for seven. It might seem like a long time at first and then breathe out for eight that can reset your nervous system doing that five times. It can be a game changer for a lot of people. So we got to breathe people for that productivity and that focus and no skipping lunches, not, you know, don't, don't drink too much coffee and not enough water. That's going to impact your focus and your brain health as well. Uh, that is amazing, Lisa. I have never heard of email apnea and it makes so much sense. Um, and I think 
you know, for all the wellness strategies that we're asking people to incorporate, whether it's walk and talk meetings and keeping lunches and letting people work out and do all these things, it's pretty simple to just ask people to breathe at the start of a meeting. And again, just totally. get over yourself. It's not hippy dippy. It's science. It's not no patchouli needed. Just breathe. That's right. Yeah. This it's is physiology. a patchouli free zone. <laughs> it's physiology. All of our cells bind that oxygen to the hemoglobin that travels around the body for your brain, for your organs. So you can function optimally. We need that. that. Right. And even, I love this. I have the aura ring and it tracks your oxygen saturation too. So, and let alone if someone's having sleep apnea at night, they're going to be set up for a lot of, you know, focus and concentration issues too. So, um, that's another, another little piece there as well. Wow. So I heard breathing, I heard hydration. I know myself, I recently increased, um, my water intake significantly. I used to find it impossible. I used to try and drink a gallon. So I think that's three liters of water. And I used to 3.3. I think I used to really, really struggle with it. And somehow I've become incredibly mindful and intentional about my water and I've increased it to maybe, maybe five or almost six liters of water, which is wild to me, but I feel incredible. My energy level is through the loop, the roof, my focus is through the roof. So I don't know if it's just excited about what I'm working on or it's all that water, but, uh, certainly a huge difference. It can make a huge difference. Yeah. Some people don't realize their headache, you know, their fatigue, they just don't feel right is because it's because they're dehydrated. It's so common. Like people just don't set up water bottles on their desk, right? At the start of the day, that's a good strategy, right? Or pairing it every time you go to the bathroom, take a few deep breaths, fill up your water bottle. If it's empty, like it just can become these integrated habits. So it's not like something else you have to think about or do. It's just like, oh, I brush my teeth after I eat a meal. Okay. I feel up my water bottle. I take five deep breaths when I go to the bathroom. That's it. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I I think I I read somewhere that, you know, the eight glasses a day is really just a a made up number that in fact, the body truly needs around three and a half liters to function optimally, which is mind blowing because I, for the entire previous 40 years of my life had never drank even close to three liters of water a day. So Right. Yeah. And then throw in, if you're having, you know, coffee, alcohol, those diuretics, you're going to need more. If you're sweating, you're going to want to add some electrolytes, a pinch of salt to your water. There's so many great ways to, to stay hydrated. Amazing. So breathing, hydration, movement, those can also really help uh, enhance that productivity and focus. So I want to reiterate to leaders by focusing on wellness you aren't taking away from productivity. So by allowing you spending five minutes doing breathing or mindfulness at the start of a meeting is not taking away five minutes from your meeting. It's enhancing the productivity and the effectiveness of that meeting by encourage walking, walking and talking meetings. You're not decreasing the effectiveness of the meeting. In fact, you're enhancing it. It's all about uh, strategically saying what's the right walking meeting for us versus what is a meeting where we need to be on video. Definitely. Again, what are the, what are the days that we need to be in the office and doing collaborative work versus the days we need to be in deep focus or, you know, however that is for that individual situation. Um, so Lisa, 
I have a segment today. I've never done a segment like this. So (laughs) if it absolutely flops, please let us know in the uh, reviews that it's absolute trash, but we're just going to try it. And I was going to call it um, limitless and heartless. So which of these statements or leader activities do you think is limitless um, that makes people feel limitless and which one is kind of heartless and doesn't promote wellness at all? Um, So let's start. Um, sending, I'm ready. <laughs> sending you home. Your boss sends you home early when your work is done. Limitless. Cause yeah, so many people are rewarded, you know, by getting more work in quotations when they're, uh, you know, doing a good job. So I think, yeah, giving them that time to go home. That's limitless. Yes. Love it. Um, replying. Ugh. When you email your boss that you will be off sick today, or your boss replies, uh, when you email that you'll be sick off sick today, heartless, totally heartless. There is nothing that makes me feel worse. You're already feeling bad. And then the first thing you get back is a bit of a guilt trip. I really, really hate that. Uh, what's the best way, um, in your opinion, I I have an idea too, but what's the best way for leaders to respond to those? I'm not coming in. I'm sick emails that supports wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the best way to, to reply would be to say, you know, I'm glad you're taking the time for yourself. I'll pass on your duties to someone who can take care of it. So then the person who's homesick, isn't like, Oh, I'm going to be like coming back with like a million things on my plate instead of, you know, a thousand. So having some strategies in place to kind of delegate some of the work can really make a difference. So the, the person who's sick doesn't worry about coming back. I love that. And that, I mean, I think there's a little bit of twofold responsibility there, right? As the leader, you can help your team members have, I don't want to call it succession planning, but that same kind of idea, who's going to take care of your work when you're done. So the leaders can do that. And you as an individual can say, let me make sure that Karen knows what I'm doing and how I'm working on something so that when I call in sick, I can recover and take care of myself and not feel like I'm the only one. Definitely. So there's that communication again, right? <laughs> Love it. Uh, saying, uh, your leader says, I'm thrilled you fit in a walk during this call. Limitless. <laughs> yeah. Instead of saying, oh, you're walking, you're not taking notes saying I'm thrilled you fit this in makes people uh, feel limitless. Okay. Here's a tricky one. Okay. Uh, your leader holds you accountable when you don't get your work done. I guess it would depend in the way they hold you accountable. If it's in a positive way, then that's limitless for sure. If it's like a finger shaking, you know, way then I would say that's heartless. Beautiful. I love that. Great leaders hold you accountable for when you don't get your work done and they do it kindly and respectfully and consistently. Um, so I, I think I wanted to flag for this one that leaders who promote a culture of wellness are not lackadaisical and let anything go. That's not the same as saying, Karen, you didn't get this done at 5 PM as you promised. Let's talk about what happened saying we've got you covered. Take care of your family when you need to stay home because your kids are sick. That's limitless. Just to know that, you know, your boss cares about you that much and your family. Cause a lot of times people feel like they're sacrificing so much for their work and they could be, you know, tossed away in a, any day and not be appreciated. So I think that's definitely limitless. 
I love it. Thank you for participating in our first. Oh, my pleasure. Limitless <laughs> versus heartless. <laughs> You're going to have to have a jingle. That's it. <laughs> I'm totally going to have to have a jingle. Um, and my last little question, and this is something that I think you can answer again, off script. Are you ready, Lisa? Are there I'm any, <laughs> as a, as a naturopathic doctor, I know that one of the key things that naturopathic doctors do is recommend supplements to help improve their wellness rather than kind of your traditional healthcare practitioners where they're kind of giving you uh, medicine or, or chemicals to potentially just solve the symptoms. Are there any supplements kind of generically that you recommend, uh, for people to activate their wellness, their focus, their productivity? Yes, definitely. So, um, you want to look at getting in some omega threes, right? So that's really key for the brain. So good quality fish, you know, not farmed wild caught salmon, larger fish are better. You can look at a fish oil supplement. So talk to your naturopathic doctor or healthcare practitioner, because there's different forms and doses, but omega three is used by the brain so that the neurotransmitters, the brain hormones and the nerves can communicate more effectively and keep the inflammation low. Uh, definitely people don't think of this to, you know, enhance wellness. They think of it more as osteoporosis prevention, but vitamin D get your levels tested. You may think you're taking enough. You may think it's being absorbed. Definitely take it with food. I'm seeing more people not take it with food and their levels are really low, but vitamin D is a pro hormone and you're just going to feel fatigued, achy or off. Your immune system's going to be weaker. You're going to get sick or if your vitamin D levels are low. So get tested by your naturopath, your doctor, because then you can determine how much you need to take safely. But I say 95% of the time people are low, even if they've been taking a thousand, 2000 a day for years, uh, sometimes you need more than that. And in the summer, you can't make it if you're wearing sunscreen or have, you know, clothing covering the skin, cause we make it in the skin. So that's a really good one as well. And then sometimes people need supplements for sleep. If you're not sleeping, you are not going to be productive the next day, right? So magnesium before bed, there's other herbs and things depending on why you can't sleep, but magnesium really calms our nervous system and helps us sleep. And then even the gut bacteria, we're realizing the gut brain connection. So probiotics can influence our brain health and help with focus, productivity, help our immune system. So those would be kind of some base supplements, but there's definitely ones that, you know, we're looking at mushrooms and lion, lion's mane and things like that, not med you know, not magic mushrooms. <laughs> That's out of my <laughs> scope of practice, but um, those can really support brain health and memory as well. But obviously talk to your healthcare practitioner because there can be interactions with medications and certain conditions. Wonderful. What a great uh, summary. As always, Lisa, your energy also in, you know, energizes me and gets me excited to focus on my wellness. If I've not set it as a priority, I think you've shared some amazing tactical tips tips for leaders to create a culture of wellness uh, on their teams, make people feel limitless and not heartless. You know, I think some of the data and information that you've shared with us has been absolutely invaluable. Where can people find you, follow you, experience the joy that is Lisa Weeks? 
Yes. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at drlisaweeks. That's like weeks and days. Um, drlisaweeks, ND is a naturopathic doctor. My website's drlisaweeks.com. And I have a podcast called the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast. We've done a few episodes on burnout, um, on uh, focus and productivity. So you can search our archives. It's not just for females. Some of those topics apply to males as well. And then I'm dabbling in some cold water therapies. So follow me to get information on, I'm going to do a cold shower challenge. Um, there's lots of benefits for focus and productivity by ending your shower with cold water. So, and doing cold plunges. So if you're interested in that, um, stay tuned. There's some events coming up that I'll be helping to run. Spectacular. I've done some five minute cold showers and they are, um, I did it for 30 days in a row, uh, five minute cold showers every day. Um, and it was incredible. Like the energy, the refresh. I felt, I, I usually felt if I did it before bed, I felt way too jacked up and wired. So there's definitely some thought. You want to do it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. (laughs) Breathe, breathe your, breathe your breaths, drink your water, take your cold showers, take your supplements and overall be, make your teams feel limitless in their wellness and productivity goals, um, and give them the space and the uh, autonomy to do what they need to, to feel great at work. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Lisa chat. Thanks for having me. I had a blast chat soon. Hey, I would love you to do me a huge favor right now by supporting this podcast. But you're saying, I'm already listening. Isn't that supporting? I'm so thrilled that you do. If you could do me one quick favor by rating and reviewing this podcast, that will ensure that At The Whiteboard gets into the ear of every leader. In order to do it, locate the At The Whiteboard podcast and make sure you're on the landing page for the podcast listing and not just an individual episode. Scroll down to the bottom until you reach ratings and reviews. Now, before you quickly go click the five stars, which is wonderful, even better is to go leave a review. We love your feedback and thoughts, and we love to continue providing you the value that you're looking for, tips and practical things that you can do to make yourself a limitless leader. Yours limitlessly. Until next time.